crosstalk, the unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels, a casual conversation. Hello world, this is Video Game Crosstalk, episode 017, the monthly podcast of gamers talking about tech, science, and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, Anthony Rossi, and with me this week is costume designer and cosplayer, Zofael Ray. Zofael, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, it's nice to be here. <laughs> Hi. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we've been following each other for quite a while on Twitter. So I'm just going to, like, dive right into it. So how long have you been cosplaying? Um, cosplaying, probably about five years. I haven't been cosplaying that long. All right. Um, And on your Twitter profile, it says, former bitter bookstore girl. So I I, uh, have a feeling that there's a story behind that comment. And now, geek-tastic costume designer. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so, so tell me about costume design or like, just like, how did you end up getting into costume design? Um, well, I started sewing when I was about five years old. My grandma oh, wow. started teaching me. She was a seamstress for a okay. little while. So, um, she was very much into like skills you have to learn to get a husband later in life. So <laughs> I had to learn how to sew and like at a table and cook and all this stuff but um i really liked sewing Hmm. all right so like what did you work on in your in your uh, apprenticeship uh the first stuff i actually made was clothes for barbie dolls okay she had like a couple dolls that were my mom's when my mom was a kid and i would design little outfits and she would show me how to make the pattern and sew them together Nice. So, like, this is all completely new to me. Uh, I have absolutely no idea how any of this works other than, like, hey, here's a... I I want to make a shirt, and I'm going to dummy this down to an embarrassing and possibly offensive amount of simplification. But, um, so, like, oh, I want to make a shirt. I guess I want to make a blue shirt shirt like how how would you go about um designing say uh, the the basic garments for the dolls um well i would just at that time i mean i wasn't really great at drawing like people or anything so she would Mm -hmm. kind of draw a lady a picture of a lady and i would draw the clothes on it and then we would go find you know a little scrap of fabric because you don't Mm -hmm. need much and she would kind of direct me how to draw the little pattern pieces. Okay, so you were going the full the full clothing design just at a much smaller scale? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. All right, so then where, where did you go from that? Like, so you did that, what did you say, five years old? Yeah. Yeah, that I was is... about five. Wow. Okay. And now I'm feeling shameful for the stupid nonsense I was doing as a five-year-old kid, but... <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, the typical boy stuff of just getting into trouble and getting excessively dirty all the time, not really doing anything productive. But hey. Uh, all right. So skill that you learned at a very young age. Um, obviously, you know, looking forward to today, it's a skill that you've kept and you've kept up with. Um, how did you progress with that skill uh, as you got older? Well, as I got older, I started um, making myself Halloween costumes. Okay. And that's kind of what eventually led me toward cosplay because I really enjoyed making costumes. Mm -hmm. And uh, in high school, I would make some of my clothing like for school or I would alter things I found at like the thrift store. Okay. That seems like to be such an amazing money saver for someone who can do it properly. You know what? It really was. I didn't have a lot of money to spend on clothes. And that was something that I could do to, you know, personalize my wardrobe without Mm -hmm. being able to shop at like a name brand store awesome so what kind of costumes did you make while you were in high school like well for like some notable halloween uh outfits that you made uh my first big one was sailor moon i made okay a whole sailor moon costume and i was so proud of it i probably wore it for like three or four years for halloween (laughs) all right um any other notable ones For some reason, I wanted to be a pilgrim one year, and I just made, like, this really cool corset to go over this brown dress, and I loved the corset I wore it, like, after that. Mm Mm-hmm. Not so much the pilgrim dress part. (laughs) Okay, so you've done, you know, again, reaching back, you've done the clothing design um, and moving into some more advanced uh, costume design. So is costume design uh, uh, your full-time gig? Um, yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it's full-time per se, because I kind of make my own schedule. And right now, like, I'm watching my sister's kids for her, so I haven't been able to take a lot of commissions this month. Okay. All right, but you, you do take commissions? Yes. I do. That is awesome. I really like doing commissions for other people because I get costumes I never would have tried Mm -hmm. myself, and I love a challenge. Oh, nice. Like, um, anything... Well, I I, I don't want to divulge or compromise client secrecy. Any fun recent ones that you've received? Um, I did a cool... uh, Doctor Who cosplay that went to San Diego Comic-Con recently. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a red monk from the Pyramid at the End of the World episode. I think that's what it's called. Hold on, I'm looking that up. Because I am... My wife got me into Doctor Who several years ago. I have only watched maybe two episodes ever, so I had zero idea about this character, what it looked like, or anything when the person contacted me. Okay. And this is now... Oh, this is from a very recent... No, no. Yeah, it's pretty recent, I think. Okay. Because I see a picture with him with the Red Monk with Peter Capaldi. He's the latest Doctor. Yes. Okay. Huh. So you do... Just the robes? Yeah, I just did the robes. I I would love to learn how to do prosthetics, and I'm kind of reading up on it, but I have not made that jump yet. Okay, because I was going to say, there's a lot of prosthetics going on. 
yeah, and that it's just that face. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going. If uh, if you guys, um, if any of my listeners go to look this character up, there's there's a lot going on in that face. <laughs> that does not look like something for an amateur. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so costume design is you know not quite a full time gig, but it, it's what you're doing. All right, so what have been some of your cosplays that you've enjoyed? Well. I really liked uh, Josephine Montillier from the Dragon Age series. Oh, Josie. Mm -hmm. Oh, Josie. She was so much fun in that game. Yeah, she she was my romance option, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the cosplay, too. And actually, I'm going to... Okay, I'm I'm like just trolling your Twitter right now, uh, <laughs> but, because that was a heck of a cosplay that you did for Josephine. Yeah, that, there was a lot of gold, or there is a lot of gold in her costume or in her wardrobe. What would you call that? I'd say probably costume outfit. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of gold going on in there. Ah, oh, Josie. Yeah, she was. She was so awesome. And Inquisition. Yeah, she was just so sweet. And just uh, corrupted by this. Well, she did not get corrupted by the system, now that I think about it. No, she, like... No, she stayed pretty pure. Yeah. So, what were were there any specific challenges with uh, Josephine? I remember... Actually, I'm replaying Dragon Age Inquisition right now. <laughs> uh, quick quick sidetrack uh, into what I'm playing at the current time. I've recently switched over to PlayStation 4 and just grabbing up whatever games I can. And since I've made the switch to PS4, I've been thinking about all the other games from my Xbox that you know I'm, I haven't gotten around to playing in the DLCs for. But I don't want to go back to my Xbox for the DLCs because I want to kind of transfer everything that I have over to the PlayStation side. So I was kind of talking to some friends and some people about, like, listen, if they have a Game of the Year edition somewhere, I'll pick that up, and I'll just, like, burn through it. I'll set it to, like, the casual difficulty, which is just disgustingly easy. But I'm doing it for the sole purpose of just burning through it so I can get through the the different DLCs. And earlier this month, the Game of the Year edition for Dragon Age Inquisition was on the PS Plus store for, like, 70% off. You can't beat that. No, no. So I got the full Game of the Year edition for like $12. So I've been playing that. And uh, well, the reason why I bring this up is because Varric has all his fun pet names for everyone. Now he calls Solus Chuckles. And his name for Josephine was Ruffles. So there's a lot of extra fabric going on into that costume. So was it difficult dealing with that immense amount of fabric for her costume the sleeves were probably the hardest part because she has the like those big ruffles on the sleeves and they're huge i hated those sleeves (laughs) (laughs) i mean it came out great for your cosplay but yeah those like was it just an obscene amount of material that you had to deal with like how do you how do you accomplish such ruffles um, well, there was a lot of gathering, and mm-hmm. I had to make the sleeves um, longer than you would make a sleeve normally so that they would poof out. Mm-hmm. And there was yeah, a don't... lot of, like, 
trying the sleeve on and then cutting it down a little bit because it was really long or all right, so it's basically like try on the trying the sleeves are way too long. Snip it down a little bit, try it on again. So you had to go like through that repetition a bunch of times. Yeah, pretty much. Like I said, there's the the gathers in it, so I mm-hmm. kind of did a couple of those ruffles and then tried it on to see where they fell, and then I would sew a couple more gathers into the super long piece of fabric and then try it on again and see where they fell. Before okay. attaching it to the shirt part itself. Cool. All right. So moving on a little bit to some of your more recent endeavors. And uh, I am going to try not to nerd out too hard. I mean, it's kind of is the point of this podcast to, you know, nerd out something fierce about <laughs> our hobbies. But you've been bringing in quite a bit of technology into your cosplays. Yeah. Um, so the the con that I normally go to every year, Penguin Con, that's like the one that I always make time for. Okay. It's very technology, uh, do-it-yourself based. It's Penguin Con because it started out as like a Linux con. Okay. So so to compete in the competition there, they want to see not only like really awesome sewing skills, but also incorporating technology into your costume or cosplay that is so awesome and i'm making a note of this i'll definitely put this into the show notes so penguin con penguin con no n wait oh no n okay so penguin Penguin con yes all right and i'm scribbling in my little notebook here so that started off as more of a linux type thing yes all right so what kind of things would you see as far as like incorporating technology from like the other cosplayers and other do-it-yourselfers? So a really my favorite costume from not this year, but last year was a guy did Whiplash from uh, the Marvel Universe. Okay. He incorporated over 200 LEDs into his costume. It was oh, wow. And it, 200 LEDs. Yeah, he said it took him a year to do, and it was beautiful. He ended up winning. Awesome. Oh, cool. It totally oh. deserved the win. It was so great. Oh, yeah. Do you, how often, you know, d- does it happen where it's like there's one person who just like completely stands out amongst the crowd at these cons? Because I personally have just started going to cons uh, the past maybe like year or two. Um, usually, like, I'll see a couple that I'm like, wow, those are really great. And I'm always, when I compete, I get super anxious. I'm, like, just trying not to freak out. And I'm looking at (laughs) everyone else. And I think everyone else looks amazing and, like, way better than me. So, Aww. (laughs) So I'm always like, oh, my God, these are so beautiful. Oh, jeez. Yeah, but that that is kind of cool though to just be you know have this self awareness where it's like yeah that is absolutely amazing uh, can't get mad um, losing to you know that that amount of work. Oh no, I mean when you can tell that somebody put that much work into their costume, you're like, kudos, you deserve right? this. Right. Right. Every once in a while, I'll get like, not so much you know because I'm not in the the cosplay scene, but other competitions for just stuff that I've been in. It's like, I can think that I'm awesome. 
I can think of that I did like an amazing job, but it's like you know recognize the talent you know acknowledge and accept the fact that that whatever that person did absolutely amazing and you can you know pride yourself as much as you want but you got got to respect um stuff that's well done and if they're putting how many hundred <laughs> leds into their costume it, you kind of have to you know, accept that oh yeah um i like to um kind of put out there how i do different things and sometimes like I'll teach a panel or something at a con to show people who are starting out, you know, a beginning mm-hmm. way to start something because I love to see other people's artwork. So it's totally okay. it's totally self-serving to me to teach people new stuff so I can mm-hmm. see the awesome stuff that they make. Oh nice. So so what panels have you been on? Um this last PenguinCon I taught uh beginner wigs for cosplay. Really? Which was the first time I've taught about wigs, so it was it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because a lot of people don't know how to get started with something like that. It's very intimidating to just, you know, go on a website and have no idea the types or the price range or what you need for the costume that you want. Mm-hmm. So um, I was actually, uh, it was on the list of, things they were looking for someone to teach oh nice so i volunteered to do that one but all I, right so what, what kind of tips what kind of like beginner stuff goes into um like wig creation or design um well i didn't go into the creation and design because that's more of an intermediate kind of area all right uh, like the beginner was basically i taught people how to shop for a wig you know the difference between synthetic wigs and natural hair wigs Um, okay how to put on a wig after you buy it um the different kinds like a lace front wig versus a regular wig okay so what does that mean a lace front wig has about usually a two inch wide piece of lace in the front that hair is tied into and you get a more natural hairline with a wig like okay. that, or you can alter the hairline if your character has like a big widow's peak or a jagged hmm. hairline, something like that. Whereas a regular wig, um, if it doesn't have bangs or something, it's going to be a lot more noticeable. Okay. So would the well, what did you refer to it as lace? So would that be more expensive? Yes, lace fronts okay. are usually quite a bit more. Just taking into consideration, you know, it, it, it will be a significant price increase. Yep, that was one of the things I talked about, too, was um, maybe if your price range is low, these are maybe places you would want to go with or designs you would want to go with versus a higher price range. Mm-hmm. Because generally a lace front is going to run you 70 dollars and up okay all right so like i mentioned uh you're bringing some tech into uh bringing some tech into the mix uh a few things in particular now you mentioned that there was one guy the whiplash put leds into his design was that inspiration for one of your creations 
Um, actually, that particular contest, my costume had LEDs in it also. Just oh, not, okay. Not 200 of them. <laughs> um, I competed as Tali Zora from Mass Effect at that one and won uh, Best Recreation. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, uh, somewhere in your in your picture history, you were doing a Spider Queen? Oh, yeah. To, yeah, the Spider Queen is kind of on the shelf right now because the harness go, go. broke like two oh, days no. before I was supposed to leave. And I was so upset. Like, I went to Home Depot to try to get some more stuff to, like, kind of put it back together. And I could tell that it was not happening before the contest. So I was like, I'm just going to shelve it for a little while. Oh. Yeah, so it's it's actually underneath my work table right now. It's legs <laughs> are next to it, and it still has all the electronics in it. So oh no! It's just okay. For me to pick it up. So so is it too painful to talk about? No, no, we can talk about it. Okay, go for it then. Go 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 go! <laughs> <laughs> because I, like I saw you um, posting a picture of this, I'm like, oh my god, this is so cool. Yeah, so all the, like, the costume parts are done for it. Um, mm -hmm. The body is built. The legs just have to be attached uh, with the motors. I had, like, some small servo motors that were attached to an Arduino and a motion sensor. And the motion okay. sensor would trigger the legs to move if you got too close. The, just the back two legs would kind of, like, shuffle. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's what the Arduino was for. Yeah, I had um, two Arduinos in it. One was controlling the lights array, and the other one was controlling the legs. Okay, so take these one at a time. We'll start with the lights array. What type of programming was required for the Arduino regarding the lights display? It was super basic, actually. Um, it was kind of one of the first things that I did on it, and it was okay. Crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> I bought one of those uh, Make books. I don't know if you've ever seen the brand before. They do like the Make magazine and stuff. No, I'll. Uh, that's another link I'll throw into the show notes. Oh, I'm a huge fan of the Make series. Like when okay. I want to learn something new, I check Make first. Do they have a book about this? But anyway, so mm -hmm. I just I bought like beginner programming for Arduino and just kind of started reading it and mm -hmm. it had some basic sketches in there and from there I googled you know some other people's stuff to see how I could flesh out the program better because it was very basic in the book mm -hmm. and just kind of cut and pasted and then added and yeah <laughs> Hey, the, the the little bits of programming or uh, any type of like, yeah, anything related to programming that I've done in my limited experience, there's been a lot of cut and paste. Yeah. And from what I understand from other friends who uh, work in developing, that it's a lot of Googling your issues or problems as well. So you're on your way, doing just fine. So what type of lights did you incorporate for this? They were just like basic LED lights. And, okay. Um... I actually cast epoxy gems, and I added a UV reactant to the epoxy when I cast them, and I okay. set the LED lights in the epoxy, 
So it was actually in the gem, and then I put the gem sort of into the back of the spider because it was sort of this organic, rocky design. Okay. So you cast these acrylic gems that, w that had a UV reactant in the mixture. Yep. Popped a LED light yep. or an LED light into the each individual gem, and those gems were affixed... So, like, on the back of the costume? Yeah, on the back of the spider body. Okay. And those lights were controlled by an Arduino, so they would light up. Yep, and the they were UV LEDs, so basically once they lit up, it would um, activate the gem, and the gem would glow. Okay. So it wasn't, you didn't just see a light there, you would see these glowing sort of gems. Okay, so it would like flesh out rather than just have like a bright spot in the gem. It, the entire gem would, it would even out the glow. Is that what the yeah. we're going for? Yep. Okay. That, that was it. And, uh, nice. It, it was really cool. It was the first time that I uh, cast a light in epoxy. So... Mm -hmm. Usually when I'm making something new, especially for a competition, I try to go really outside my comfort zone and learn some new stuff. So the casting was one of the things that I was like, I really want to try this. Well, it sounds like you uh, did a pretty good job. Just unfortunately, things fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> all, all ultimate sadness. <laughs> but, you know, when you go with something that big like for a competition there is there i mean stuff goes wrong sometimes mm-hmm hey so be it uh other things that you've been working on a little bit more recently uh you got into a bit of the 3d printing i'm kind of obsessed with 3d printing right now like kind of sort of <laughs> obsessed with the 3d printing <laughs> yeah so it started um at Christmas, my father-in-law bought my husband a little mini 3D printer for Christmas. He just, like, had it on his Amazon wish list, and my father-in-law just kind of goes through, and he finds something and clicks the button, and that's what goes out, you know? Hey. He's really busy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey. Whatever works. Whatever works. So it came, and John wanted it, but he didn't know like anything about really using it or anything and he was like well you're the artist you can figure oh. this out so if you can like make me something that would be cool Hooray! <laughs> <gasps> and i was like yes i would love to play with the 3d printer <laughs> all right so that's how that magic all started so what, what what have you been printing out? Well, um, this weekend I had kind of a little do-it-yourself project to make a 3D modeler to actually scan things to print out because I use the website Thingiverse a lot, which has a crap ton of free patterns. Okay. And it's amazing. I mean, you can find all kinds of stuff to print out. But I was like, I kind of want to be able to, like, sculpt my own little things in clay and mm -hmm. model it and then print copies. Then I can paint them and, you know, do whatever. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, I found some videos on YouTube about how to turn an Xbox 360 Connect into a 3D modeler. That is amazing. And I was like, oh my God, that's totally what I like to do is take some cheap thing and turn it into something awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, John and I, that's my husband, um, mm -hmm. we went on a quest on Sunday to find a 360 Connect because they're like, they don't really sell them new anymore. No. And uh, so we went to like Goodwill and the local uh, used video game store and stuff. And we finally ended up finding one at a GameStop like 20 minutes away. Oh, darn it. <laughs> and it had the extra cable that we needed that you connected to your computer with. So I didn't even have to order that on Amazon. Oh, nice. And it just, the lady was like, oh, somebody traded it in wrong. Yeah, you can just have that. So for $15. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, definitely take that. And, and there was uh, a, there's, like, I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but um, if you just type in how to, and then blah, 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 you can find the most amazing things on the internet and on YouTube. And I love that. I love that I can just look up and be like, you know what? I want to make this thing. Has someone else made the thing? And someone usually has. And I can get some really good ideas about how to put it apart or modify it. Or mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we were, oh, jeez. Funny story of looking up a how-to video on YouTube. Uh, my wife and I got this, like, the best way to describe it is like a pop-up tent for our son. And it's, for, it's basically designed for, like, beach going. And just a quick little pop-up shelter thing. And it's one of those deals where the, the... It's all wires on the inside, and it's the wires or kind of plastic tubes that hold everything together. But you can, like, fold it down and twist it, and it twists down into this, like, disc-type thing. Okay. If you... And for the love of God, neither one of us were able to get it to work. So, you know, she's looking at the terrible, terrible instructions that don't tell you how to do anything properly ever. And we're just getting frustrated. And I just whipped out my phone, said how to fold down and like whatever the, the brand name was. And I got like three videos. And while she's still getting frustrated with the instructions, I went, okay, so I twist it there, there. Wow, these directions aren't even close to correct, and we're able like that was the final um, direction that we needed was the, the YouTube video of of someone else, many other people who were having the same issue, and like that's another thing I've noticed on the internet is that you know I'm not the only one having either these thoughts or these creative ideas or these problems with a, with whatever product there are. No. So, um... Actually, I was having a problem with the uh, heat on the bed heating up on my mini 3D printer. Okay. And Google it, put it into YouTube, video comes up with like how to take it apart, how to resolder it. Other people are having the same problem. I ended you up getting a $3.50 piece that I soldered in and it saved me having to send it back to the manufacturer. Oh, and again, with the whole saving money part. 
It's just so much, so much cheaper. Uh, just knowing what the problem is and being able to quickly take care of it. That's so great. Oh, so you built a, a 3D scanner. So what else went into the scanner besides the Kinect? Um, so I kind of made like a little platform for it to sit okay. on. So it was raised up off the table and I just used a couple of pieces of PVC pipe and then like a board and it was like a, a compressed cardboard board that was packing material in a box of something that I got. Okay. And so I just used that with the PVC and a hot glue gun and made the platform. And then the uh, Lazy Susan sort of turntable that you put the object on to rotate it while you're okay. scanning it uh, is a empty roll of filament that I had used for printing cut in half and some 3D printed parts in between the two halves and some marbles for the bearings. So you're 3D printing pieces to use for your 3D printer. Yeah, they are. This is how the robot revolution starts. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm totally on board with my 3D printer self-replicating. <laughs> this this is how the, the revolution begins. And I, for one, welcome our robotic overlords. Yeah, I treat them really well. So I feel like, you know, they should probably take care of me in the future. All right. So do you have any plans in particular uh, for the scanner or like this is an awesome idea? Let's just get it going or anything going on? Well, it kind of started out the same way the mini printer started. His dad clicked on it on Amazon and it got sent for his birthday, this other one. <laughs> and it sucked. It did not scan. Like things were patchy. It was horrible. And I was oh, like, no. Let's send this back and try to make one cheaper. <laughs> so that's how that started. And that's so... So you made one. It's cheaper and it works better. Yeah. The other one was like $150 or something and it was total garbage. And like everyone on the internet was like, this does not work good. I was like... Okay, so it's not me. <laughs> right. Right. All right, so we got a couple things going on as far as tech and science is concerned, even though we've uh, eaten up quite a bit of time with just talking about uh, the tech going on for the uh, for your cosplaying, which is, again, just so awesome. Uh, I got a couple videos here this first one is a mixed reality tv show now this i'm not even sure what to make of it <laughs> truth be told i'm not really sure what they're trying to do did you get a look at this yeah um it actually kind of reminded me of this science video i watched the other day where they were making um holodecks for different um testing animals like lab rats Okay. If the lab rats responded to like the VR environment, and that's hmm. what I immediately thought of when I oh, saw wow. this was like, are they testing how people respond to this VR environment around them? Well, I'm again, I'm not exactly sure. 
I mean, there's a YouTube video included in this article. This is an article from VR Scout, and the title of it is A Look at the World's First Interactive Mixed Reality TV Show. And the best I can gather is it looks like a souped-up version of American Gladiator from way back when. But, like, with a green screen. Yeah, like, the entire... If you scroll down through the article, it's not even a green screen. It's a green room. Yeah. And not, like, where the celebrities hang out before they come out onto a talk show. <laughs> this, the entire set is just straight-up greenery everywhere. And they have these other props set up. And when you watch the video that's included, it's, like... An action sequence, like the the still or the thumbnail that they have for the YouTube video, it looks it looks like something from Mass Effect. It really does. Um, he's looks like he's on some alien planet. There's pipes all over the place, and like they do some type of like mounted turret firing competition between them all. Yeah, like like people are attacking or something, and they're trying to shoot down. I'm trying to see in the the picture. Mm-hmm. It's something. Like defending the base. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like I said, it's it's kind of hard to tell exactly what's going on. So we're doing like an absolutely terrible job describing this thing. But it it looks like they just swap out different backdrops and settings and scenarios into whatever environment that they want to create for that segment and then they just go through a series of challenges and see who comes out on top is that what you kind of got out of it yeah that's pretty much what i got that's why i thought of like the experiments like complete this experiment so we can see how well you respond yeah right so that's that is wild and this is going to be for a TV show, so like all of this processing is going on like in real time. So I don't know. There, I have so many questions. Is this something that you would watch if it became available? Yeah. Um. I mean, it says it's halfway through the eight episodes, so I'm kind of thinking about seeing if I can find it on the internet somewhere. Although, right. I don't know if it's in English or not. But I got a feeling uh, it may not matter. <laughs> as far as, I mean, aside from some commentary between the I'm guessing there's some type of judge or referee or announcer of sorts and the contestants but I think the this is going to be this has the potential for being something pretty big and finally bringing technology into entertainment like the way that people have been trying to I mean who knows it might be the next you know the the virtual uh, variant of like one of those you know, ninja warrior competitions and maybe you know what it's a lot better than watching just like a bunch of rich people who live in a house together this looks far more entertaining I, to me oh that's that that is like <laughs> an entirely different conversation and i cannot believe that those shows are still like on the air people want to see what they're missing out on though that's I guess like, so. That's what I feel like the draw is. I just, uh, like I said, that's a, that's a whole other discussion. 
Exactly. I'm going to keep the science portion a little short, but something that, I mean, we, we have to talk about. Got, got to at least mention it. Uh, we had a full-blown total eclipse of the sun uh, last week. Uh, did you get outside to check it out? I did. Oh, I spent days trying to find some of those eclipse glasses because they were sold out everywhere. Oh, no. I ended up like a friend had some extra pairs. He was going to drive down to the eclipse thing, and he ended up not going. So okay. I got really lucky and got some glasses. Okay. Um. Actually, so was hmm, – I'm trying to remember the actual path of the eclipse – but by the power of the internet, how about I, I spell eclipse properly? Here we go. We got like 74, 75%, something like that. Here. Okay. Yeah, we got about, I think we, the estimations were, wait, this can't be the, no, the, the, I'm looking at a, um, at a map right now, and this cannot be the one that just happened because it's going straight across New York, and we definitely did not get that good of a view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got um, 76, I think the estimation was. Are you in the state or the city? State. Okay, so, like, buildings weren't an obstacle to your viewing? No. Okay. No. I just wondered how that worked. <laughs> no, we, I was able to pop out of the office a few times, and, uh, yes, and, and thank you for asking. No, the entire state of New York is not just Manhattan. Uh, we do have suburbs and even rural areas in New my, York. My father-in-law films in uh, Buffalo a lot, so. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, no, I'm right in the center of the state in Albany, and uh, yeah, we got maybe seventy-six percent. So a friend of ours was actually able to pick up some glasses at um, the state museum, and I, mean, I was kind of take it or leave it type of thing uh personally but i mean if i'm going to be handed a pair of the eclipse glasses like well yeah i'm gonna take advantage of it yeah, of um and it is amazing how well they worked like i put them on just to just to see while i was still in the office before the eclipse um climaxed and i throw those on and i swear it was like looking through or trying to look through aluminum foil like there was just nothing there Oh, Complete yeah. darkness. I I just, like, carried them outside and then put them on once I was outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But And they worked so well. Like, I know this is what they're designed to do. Like, oh, amazing, the eclipse glasses actually work. Well, yeah. But I wasn't expecting it to be that clear. Like, there was a good amount of cloud cover, but um, being able to see the eclipse... Now, in that level of clarity, without burning out my retinas, uh, was actually pretty cool. It was pretty clear here, so like okay. we, we could see it pretty well. My sister's three kids were all here, so I was kind of passing the glasses between them so they could see it. <laughs> like, don't look up until you have the glasses on. No, seriously, though. Like, that's, <laughs> that, that's a bad time for everyone. It should be pretty obvious. Don't look at the big fiery ball. But, and, of course. Yeah, but then we see, like, a hundred posts on the internet of people with, like, bloody-looking eyeballs. Oh, I just looked for a minute. 
I don't know how you can even look at that thing. From I glanced up just to get my bearings, like, all right, where is the eclipse happening? And I just got to look skyward for a moment and then just searing pain <laughs> shot through my eyes. Like, okay, all right, I got it, I got it. All right, put the, put the glasses on. And, oh, just like that. Hi, puppy. <laughs> so, Sophie just appeared. Hi, puppy. Yes, yes, I know. You I know. called for her. I know. We were just talking about Hold on, I have to I have to give some uh some belly rubs and some ruffle the ears a little bit. Okay. Go lay down. Nope, go lay down. Oh, I totally understand. Ah. <laughs> Alright, so we're gonna move into an audible interlude right now. For you, the listeners of the Video Game Cross Stack Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod and sign up for your free trial and download one of over 180,000 titles such as It by Stephen King, narrated by Stephen Weber. And earlier on this show, I had offered up the Dark Tower series right ahead of the uh, movie release. So I figured do the same thing with it because, let's face it, Dark Tower movie is getting hammered <laughs> in the reviews. Were you able to see it? I have not seen it, and it's been a really long time since I read the books. <sighs> so a friend of mine at the office is letting me borrow his set of books, uh, so I never read it prior to. So I was trying to get through just as much of it as I could before the movie released, but it's always kind of concerning when there's hype, 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 trailer, 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 movie's released, and then it's media silence. So... <laughs> That's, like, pretty much saying, well, we don't want to say anything bad about it, so... So... <laughs> don't say anything. Right. So let's try this again. This time, It by Stephen King is <laughs> the featured book this month. Um, and those trailers look creepy as all get up. Well, the original was super terrifying. Mm-hmm. And it just looks like they, they're just like up in the ante. Just even if by sheer, you know, better, you know, costume techniques or digital techniques. So let's let's see how that goes. So, again, that's audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod for your free audiobook. And now we're going to get into some gaming and geekery. So, first thing to discuss is the SNES Classic. And we're going to call this segment, Nintendo, what the heck are you doing? We could also call it Nintendo Hates Money. I just don't understand. So, unless you've been living under a rock and just avoiding all gaming news and gaming sites, uh, Nintendo has basically, or effectively, bungled yet another release of their classic consoles. So, I guess it was released at something like 4.30 in the morning? Which is something? ridiculous, because... Who is on? Like, who is up then? I, I don't know. Um, one friend of mine actually was awake. Uh, again, it's a co-worker of mine, the same one who's let me borrow the, the books. Um, our work days start pretty early. 
just because of our scheduling. So we're already accustomed to getting up at like five o'clock or so. So he was actually awake at the time and was able to secure his uh, pre-order. But other than that, like, you know, we were trying to keep track of, you know, is it going to become available again? And later that day, it did become available again. And uh, another coworker tried to log on. I think he went through Target to see if he could grab a hold of one. And in the amount of time it took him to create a user profile, because I guess with pre-orders, you have to actually create a, a profile on their website. In the amount of time it took for him to create a profile, it was sold out again. Like, as soon as they announced it, I was like, you know what, I'm not even going to try because I know this is going to be a mess. I have a Super Nintendo still. I'm not even going to Right. Mess I mean, with so, it. You know, so do I. The, the biggest things would be the games that they include. Um, like, I have... There, several that I have not played before that I would love to play if I you know, had enough time, but I mean, hold up, my dog is wrestling with something under the guest bed. Are you okay? Yeah, hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, dogs. Um, so there's a bunch of games that I would love to play that I haven't been able to, but I, I'm not going to pound refresh on my keyboard and hoping hoping that I get a hold of one of these. No. And I mean to try to go to the store the day of, you're going to have to go the day before and like camp outside. And yeah. not that I don't do that still because sometimes <laughs> I do do that for like a Hey, you know what? I, uh, <laughs> well, I, I still on occasion too. attend the midnight release of certain games. I do too. <laughs> But, and, then I, and then I feel really old because everyone there is younger than me. I know. Yeah, I've kind of stopped a little bit just because I'm like, hey guys, what's. Uh, okay. I'm the creepy old guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, yeah. So I went to the midnight release for the shift. The, the shift. The switch. Okay. Me. And uh, I, we were sitting on the floor. My best friend was there and my husband was there. And this kid comes up, probably like, I say kid, but he's probably like 19 or 20. And he looks at my husband and he's like, don't I know you from somewhere? And he's like, no. Uh -oh. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I know you from somewhere. Oh, you're the guy from Smash Mouth. <laughs> and I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> so John was like really grumpy and he's like my hair doesn't even look like that and uh oh <laughs> so we get like everybody goes outside for like the actual you know you have to walk out the game stop and walk back in to buy the thing at midnight mm -hmm. and this kid gets everyone to start singing that all star song oh my god ha <laughs> ha <laughs> 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 So there's my recent midnight <laughs> release story. <laughs> oh, man. So, all right, so back to the classic. It's, what really bugs me about this is that they are, I, I, for whatever reason, just not producing enough or they don't have enough management on the pre-sale through the websites. 
something. But what's going to happen and what is happening? Um, and I've seen this from a few friends already. You know, they're all hyped up. Yes, they want it. They want it. They want it. They want it. But there's only so many hoops that you can go through before you just give up. And what they're doing is they're ordering the retro pies. So if you go into the website for the retro pie, you can get the whole thing, and it comes with just a, a ridiculous amount of games. Uh, and they do have on the site that all games are that they. Um, are including with it um, are copyright free so you know whichever ones either the copyrights expired on them or however the royalties work for that you know that's they're, they're doing it all legal but you know now you've got the the system you've got the whole you've got the platform for it all everything's all contained so outside of getting the initial system together all you need to do now is you know find the ROM which yeah, this- plug it into your computer right what they're doing by just having this level of bungled release again is that they're pushing people to you know purchase their games elsewhere you know because they're already hyped up they want to play they want to play but you know they're unable to get it through normal legal channels so now they're going to go and you know illegally download Either that or pay hundreds of dollars to a scalper on eBay. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, let the free market do what it may, but for people to just buy up multiple, you know, reservations, and, like, I'm going to... Let's just go to eBay real quick, just to see... What was it? The SNES Classic. And if I do eBay... So, as they are right now, Nintendo Entertainment's uh, just the regular NES Classic right now is at $230, which is just ridiculous. So, yeah, over 100 already. It's just, yeah, this is what's going to happen. They're going to go to the RetroPie, and they're going to illegally download uh, the remainder of the games that they weren't originally able to get through the the normal means yeah and then nobody sees the money from it nintendo doesn't the developers don't like right nobody wins i i guess i I guess whoever you buy your raspberry pi from wins (laughs) i guess (sighs) oh well moving on (laughs) um so you had mentioned that you actually won an award for your uh talizora cosplay yep a uh, beloved character from the mass effect series and we just heard recently some news regarding mass effect andromeda some really sad news and some really really sad news it's basically i mean there's many ways to phrase it but they're just abandoning bioware is abandoning mass effect as a franchise from what i can see and what i can tell um, they released, and this is directly from MassEffect.com, that uh, there will be no more single-player updates, well, patches or otherwise, and that they will... Reading from the blog post on MassEffect.com, the game was designed to further expand the Pathfinder's journey through this new galaxy with story-based Apex multiplayer missions, <clears throat> which I never played, 
And we'll continue to tell stories in the Andromeda Galaxy through our upcoming comics and novels, including, and this is the part that really gets me, including the fate of the Quarian Ark. So with that last statement, including the fate of the Quarian Ark, without explicitly stating it, that confirms that there will be no DLC for the game. Yeah, because I expected to, like, find that out in later missions and stuff, because I love the Quarians, obviously, so I obviously, really right. wanted to know what happened. And that was just, like, a last-minute dump on the story. So, I mean, uh, I think we're past the spoiler spoiler phase of this. You know, we, we can talk about the game a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, that was, like, right at the end, like, post final mission like oh we just heard from the quarian arc uh, and we got to go check how they're doing i'm like oh that's obviously going to be a dlc apparently not haha <laughs> fooled you yeah like the only thing i could think of is that they botched its development because i know I heard from like various sources that they had originally planned this to be much larger in scope than what it actually turned out to be and they had to scale back in different aspects of the game. And as far as official release is concerned, it obviously was not a finished product. Like, they had to patch some aspects of the game pretty heavily. Well, um, from what I read, they handed the project over to one of their smaller development teams and one of their less seasoned development teams that maybe wasn't ready for the flagship franchise. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, you need more people? That sucks. Just <laughs> deal with it. Yeah, right? Like, I am not a developer, and I do not know how much, you know, research how much effort it takes, what resources are needed to do some things properly. But um, I was a day one a pre-order uh, purchaser, and the the complaints regarding the facial expressions, it was, it was pretty rough. Uh, some of those expressions, like the, the facial animations, it was, it, it was pretty rough. And I had to restart my my Pathfinder, because something with his eyes, like the way that they were originally created in my character, like the lighting wasn't appropriate, or like the, the angles that you could view your character's head weren't proper, and it was maybe, I think I got through like the, the initial mission, but, ooh, my Pathfinder looked a little inbred. <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah, he got the wonky eyes, they were a little too close together, and I can deal with a lot of things just to kind of work my way through it. Like, I don't need things to be absolutely perfect, and, um, I mean, this can be another whole conversation, how much customization is too much as far as character creation is concerned. So I tried to just kind of get them situated, and alright, that's close enough, because I'm not going to be looking at his face all that much anyway during the game, but this I just couldn't yes. handle. He's got a helmet on, you know? Right. Heck, heck, there's a bunch of games, you know, like the Elder Scrolls or uh, Fallout or even Destiny. For the majority of the time, yeah, you've got a helmet on or you're in either first or third person, so you're not looking at the person's face anyway, except for a handful of cutscenes. So, like, I just don't... 
me personally, as much fun as it is to create your own character, my personal feeling is like I give me fewer options and let me get into the story so I'm not so I'm not distracted and tempted to play around with all the settings. But what I was able to create was better than what the professional developers were able to create just with the in-game character creator. It's really difficult for me to disparage the Mass Effect games because I'm such a huge fan of the series. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like they used a lot of the same models over and over again to maybe get around the fact that they didn't have time to put it together the way they wanted to. Like, I kept running across the same Asari over and over. It was like the same face. Yeah. Or like the, or very close to the same model. Yeah. For each one. Oh, yeah, and I'm a huge fan of the series, too. Heck, I did a special N7 Day episode for this podcast, and I brought uh, Mulehorn back on to do a <laughs> the non-spoiler spoiler of the Andromeda plotline. So I have, like, you know, an episode and a half dedicated just to Mass Effect Andromeda, and that's it. Yeah, and that's about it. not going to be anything else. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on uh, Anthem and how that looks? You know what? I haven't really seen anything about it. The trailer that they showed at E3 was amazing. And it's definitely going to be a very lore-heavy experience. And it's drawing a ton of similarities to Destiny. So... I mean, at this point, I think Destiny has created its own genre. It was definitely the first of its own genre, how Bungie described it as being a shared world shooter. I got a feeling that they're just going to be diverting resources into Anthem and just letting Mass Effect kind of go by the wayside. Uh, But at the same time, it almost feels right to me. And let me know your thoughts on this. We've had Mass Effect for quite a long time. We had a great experience with the original trilogy. Andromeda didn't bring enough that was truly new to the series. And in recent history, there's been a lot of sequels. Maybe it is good to get an entirely new IP into the market. Any thoughts on that? You feel like uh, Andromeda was kind of a stepping stone to kind of move people? I think it I think it was we want to keep Mass Effect going for as long as we can but it's not going to allow them to be as creative as they want to be if that makes any sense. Like no, it I th- does because you're kind of locked into that universe and that story so maybe the weapons that you want to make aren't going to work for that or you know right the characters th- you want to introduce Right, right. Like, I tried using... Like, did you get creative or experimental with any of the weapons in Andromeda? No, I didn't. Yeah, neither did I. That's the thing. Yeah, I, like, just, I just picked stuff up and rolled with it. <laughs> like, I was more interested in finding out the next piece of the story than actually, like, messing around with the weapons and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I just stuck to the basic human weapons. You know, I tried using some of the ket, but they they just felt weird. And um, a lot of the, and I can't even remember the names, the other alien weapons, like the the P-90 
pieces to get them were too rare or expensive, so I wasn't able to get them up to a level that they would be useful. And the other thing that really bothered me about Andromeda was all the dialogue. There was so much dialogue that I would be going on these fetch missions, and that's all that they would be. Like, go clear this place out, shoot up like 10 or 12 bad guys, and then another, you know, lengthy dialogue. Yeah, and the dialogue seemed a lot lengthier when you're looking at someone's dead eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, it did. So, so maybe moving away from Mass Effect is a good thing. Let them, you know, expand out into an entirely new universe. I mean, obviously they're great at e- establishing and developing deep, deep, deep lore. Um, my only concern with Anthem is that between Dragon Age and Mass Effect, their multiplayer is very, very repetitive. It's yeah. basically one mode. It, you know, I know they don't want to call it horde mode, but you know, it's horde mode over and over again. Bioware lost one of their best writers to Ubisoft too, right about uh, the mass of uh, the Mass Effect Andromeda release. Ah, oh, jeez. So she she went over to Ubisoft and worked on the new Assassin's Creed game. <sighs> I really hope that's a good game. This is like the first Assassin's Creed game that I'm just really, like, I just don't care about. I mean, it looks amazing, and I've been a huge fan of the Assassin's Creed series, but they've been so directionless with the plot lines that I'm just like, ah. Oh, the the Anne LeMay moved over to Ubisoft and worked on this game got me so pumped for it because she's such a great writer. I was like, oh, please fix all the problems that had with its story. Oh, jeez. I compared Syndicate to Saints Row, of all things. I don't know if you're a fan of the Saints Row series. Yes? No? Maybe? I've only played one of them. Okay. So much fun. But... It was like Assassin's Creed Saints Row because you had the city of London and you would build up your gang, just like in Saints Row, take control over different neighborhoods, just like in Saints Row, and then take on the gang leader of that district, just like Saints Row. And you would be able to like drive around in your carriage or car and you'd be able to wave to your homies on the side of the street and you'd then go pick a fight with the, the rival gang. I'm like, oh my God, this is Assassin's Creed Saints Row. Yeah, like I said, I'm pretty hopeful about the new one since I know that there's good writing going on there. Okay. I've got high hopes for it. I do, too. I'm a huge Assassin's Creed fan, as evidenced by that's one of my Michigan Renfest outfits that I wear a lot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was a great one. All right, really quick then. Which Assassin's Creed was that based off of? That was from the first one. It's kind of based on Altair's outfit. Okay, nice. So yeah, it, and it's you had changed, it's changed up a little bit, so mm-hmm. it's not a, an Altair cosplay, but it's okay. the, the similar look. Yeah, well, I mean, much respect to the original Master Assassin, but that's <laughs> the Altair of cosplay is a white robe. <laughs> I mean, m- much respect to the order, <laughs> but uh, they-, they were definitely going for simplicity. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. But I, I love that, like, the original era and sort of where the Brotherhood was at then. I liked mm-hmm. that story, and that's what got me into it. So that was what I went with for my Renfest costume. Awesome. Okay, we are moving into the final segment of this podcast. Uh, This is the final five. These are five questions that range from irrelevant to irreverent. And uh, let's get this going. All right. So the first two are always the same. The last three have some type of theme going on. So first question, coffee or tea? Coffee. but Definitely coffee. I'm allergic to caffeine. Oh, no. I can have one cup of decaf coffee in a day, and it's like I cherish that cup. <laughs> that is the saddest answer I have had on the podcast. <laughs> the tragedy of it all. It's it's pretty horrible because I really love coffee. And oh. I, I didn't get the allergy until way later in life, probably like my mid-20s when it, <sighs> when it happened. So, yeah, I, I was accustomed to drinking four or five shots of espresso every day when I was working at the bookstore. Jeez. All right. Second question. Uh, So we know you play video games. Do you play any tabletop games? I do. Um, What you got? I play Magic the Gathering. Okay. And uh, a lot of board games. Um, I usually have a game night at my house every two months or so, and mm-hmm. I have food, and people bring, like, the new board games that they've gotten, and everyone kind of tests them out and plays the new stuff. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah, we used to have, well, yeah, yeah used to have a, a game night they would actually go to every week at a friend's house, but uh, 10-month-old son, Jacob, <laughs> kind of the kibosh on that for the time being but uh we've got them down to a sleep schedule so that one of us can go out and uh be social uh but still gotta have at least you know, gotta have at least one parent at home to make sure the kid doesn't you know go crazy or ha- have a crisis while we're away all right so third question uh have you ever been like the proverbial out somewhere and see someone's style and have you ever been like inspired to be like, I could recreate that, or I could turn that into some type of cosplay? Did that ever happen? Oh yeah, all the time. I'm really always, like looking at people's like fashion, what they're wearing, and being like, wow, I really like that the collar on that shirt or something. And then I'll go home and kind of sketch something out. And okay, nice. All right, so fourth question. Uh, of any of your cosplays, would you ever consider one of them as a legitimate alter ego? Oh, um, I don't think so. I don't think there's anybody I've cosplayed where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's totally my other side. Aww. I'm kind of I'm kind of just I'm really honest about me. Usually, <laughs> <laughs> so I, just, I just bring my weird ass self wherever. <laughs> Hey, you do you. <laughs> I put it out there and I'm like, hey, this is me. I'm super weird. If you don't like it, then that's okay. You don't have to like me. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what. All right. And um, so fifth question, I'll actually roll this one together with a, a listener question. So 
originally I was going to ask, do you take commissions? And that's a yes, apparently. Yeah. Yep. And we discussed that like at the very beginning. So Judge Greg asked, so at Judge Greg is law, how much time goes into a cosplay costume from conception to completion? Um, well, that's kind of hard to answer because it depends on the cosplay or the costume. Generally, mm -hmm. if I'm doing something for competition, I'm going to compete with it. I'll set aside three months usually where okay. I'll pretty much just work on that and maybe I'll take, you know, one or two commissions during the month for other people, but I'll mostly try and focus on mine. Mm -hmm. um, commissions, usually people don't want to pay for something super huge because it is rather cost prohibitive for mm -hmm. some, you know somebody to commission a full set of armor so usually the commissions i get are not something that take more than like three weeks to a month okay well, have you ever been commissioned for a full set of armor i have not i have not <gasps> been commissioned for a full set of armor yet <laughs> i was gonna say that has like i have absolutely nothing to gauge what cost would be for something like this i have absolutely nothing to gauge this on but a full set of armor or like a full costume i am just gathering would be quite pricey so um usually for figuring out like how much something is going to cost i actually have a program like a little spreadsheet thing that i record everything that i make and mm -hmm. how long it took how many hours i spent so that I can go back and look at, you know, when somebody asks me for something, I can look at something similar and say, well, this took 40 hours of work. Mm -hmm. the materials cost this much. If I average out, you know, a per hour amount, mm -hmm. this is how much total that piece would be. Okay. Cool. So I know... Um, a lot of people are really confused about how an artist maybe prices their work. That's mm -hmm. personally how I price a commission. Right. Yeah. Based on how many hours of effort and then material costs on top of that. Yep. Oh, yeah. Cool. And that is all the time we have for this episode. Time for end of show plugs. You can follow me, Anthony Rossi, on Twitter, Instagram, and PSN at HyperSyntax, H-Y-P-3-R-S-I-N-T-4-X. Or you can follow the podcast directly on either Twitter at VGXTPod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash VideoGameCrosstalk. I've also started blogging, hooray, and I'll be posting these episodes at VideoGameCrosstalk.com. As for my guest, Zofael, where can our beautiful listeners follow you around well you can follow me on twitter at zophael c-o-p-h-a-e-l and also on instagram at zophael same spelling i try to make uh -huh. it easy <laughs> cool all right and finally if you are a gamer or know a gamer that wants to talk some tech and science news let me know do you know of any tech news that you'd like to hear discussed do you have any other general questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show send an email to videogamecrosstalk at gmail.com and give me the deets of what's going down please don't forget to like review subscribe and share this podcast all over your social media accounts and we can be found on itunes stitcher google play podbean and most other podcast services one last time thank you so much for hanging out with us and zofail thank you so much for joining me thank you so much for having me it was really great to come and talk about costumes and 
making stuff. Awesome. All right. And in the words of Benjamin Franklin, tell me and I forget, teach me and I may remember, involve me and I learn. with your I'm stuttering all over the place see this is why it takes so much time to edit these freaking things 